Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sutcher. Good morning, Stacey. How are you? Morning, John. Are you traveling this week? Oh, I am in downtown, beautiful downtown San Francisco, which is, you know, it's a couple hours from the house, so it's not really on the road, but I'm I'm in town for something called the Executive Networks Global Sourcing and Recruiting Network. And it's a group of about 25 directors of talent acquisition for really big companies. And um, there, were, there were presentations yesterday. It's a, it's a kind of a no vendors allowed place uh, mm-hmm. where, where the talent acquisition people get to sort of talk out their, their problems without having salespeople in the room. And uh, today we're going to go see five startups in downtown San Francisco. So it's a walking tour of, of the startups of San Francisco. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking. I'm very much looking forward to to being quiet, which is you know kind of unusual <laughs> for me, um, <laughs> and and watching. Of how the vendors interact with the group prospects, yeah. it'll be it'll be fascinating to see that. Yeah, so because startups, I think you know they haven't honed their message yet. So startups are fun to watch because you know sometimes you get the real essence of of, of that conversation between the organizations. So that that we'll definitely want your impressions when you come back next week on that one. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the other thing that I'm already starting to see is that. Because there's no, it's, it, there's a real need for uh, some sort of institution that has an institutional memory. Mm. Because I'm starting to I'm starting to see people proposing solutions that didn't work 20 years ago and aren't <laughs> going to work today. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and there doesn't appear to be any decent way besides listening to crotchety old people. Uh, to understand the dynamics of the marketplace and what's possible and what isn't possible. So um, I'm going to enjoy that part of this this thing today, too. Why don't you tell us what's in the mailbag? Yeah, yeah it's been a busy uh, week. I think many of us are on the road or, or getting ready to go on the road again. So, But there's been a lot of, I'd say, news on what's happening in the HR technology space. Um, yesterday, the uh, Ceridian IPO, went live. So I think today we're going to get some, some bigger numbers about you know how that's going to trade and where that's at. We can talk a little bit about that and what that means, what people should be looking for, um, and what um, it went live under. Um, we also um, got this week, I think many people have been sort of asking what's the next big acquisition. Well, PeopleFluent, those who maybe remember the um, PeopleClick, Authoria merger, um, they also had a couple of other small uh, software applications that they had acquired uh, to create what was now the PeopleFluent talent management application. Um, they um, uh, were just sort of uh, announced that Learning Technology Group is planning to offer uh, a a cash uh, payment plus some some payment of some of their um, uh, debt uh, to create a new sort of platform across them. Uh, they are an e-learning solution. We'll talk a little bit about what they're looking to do with the PeopleFluent um, acquisition. We also um, got some update on ServiceNow. Their financial results for their Q1 uh, came out, as well as an announcement of an acquisition they made of a company called VendorHawk, um, which 
probably something the um, HR technology market should be aware of and keeping an eye on. And then we also have today, if we get a little bit of time, ASON, which is sort of a success factors SAP implementation change management partner, is um, who rolls out the SAP success factors platform is creating a version where they're going to roll that out with a people doc connection. They're calling it an enhanced employer access to HR technology. Um, so more and more about this HR case management help desk tools and what they're creating in the market. There's a, a little bit of news here about Vizier launching a new update to their platform. And then if we have time, there's there's a couple of, of new organizations who are doing some interesting work in the performance management space called Game Effective. And then Lumest is back in the news again for those who, who know Lumest um, out of Europe. They introduce a new marketplace for smart talent acquisition. So more and more marketplaces going up. So it's been a busy week. Lots of little stuff going on in the news. John, where do you want to start at? Definitely. Well, and we've got a lot of that in the stories this week because there's a lot of things going on that, that feels a little bit like it happened the same, you know, you know, five or six years ago, and we're, and we're, we're hearing it again. So, um, but Ceridian's probably the top thing. I mean, it, it's IPO went out yesterday. Um, they're looking at, I think we had talked a little bit about it last week. They ended up getting their $462 million they were looking for in their initial public offering. But to understand the public offering, there's a lot of things that went around this. And you also had looked at a couple of things. They, they, ha- they decided to go out with the code C-Pay is, or C-Day. Is that correct, John? Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. I don't know whose idea this was, but, but Workday's stock symbol is W-D-A-Y, and Ceridian's stock symbol is now C-D-A-Y. So a fair amount of the press associated with the IPO actually talks about Workday. And so so that's not really what you want. When the the big IPO comes and happens, you don't really want everybody to be talking about uh, somebody who is better known in a slightly different market. Uh, yeah. That's what they that's what they got out of it, and so so the 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 IPO is interesting. The private equity firm Thomas Lee, who who took Ceridian out of the public market some years back, spent five and a half billion dollars roughly to buy and take the company off the market. And when you when you're a private equity company and you do that, what you're trying to do, what you see is some value so so you expect to make multiples of your initial investment um, and so their theory had to have been that they were going to invest five and a half billion dollars and they were going to get to some larger number but in this IPO uh, the value of the company is under three billion dollars so so on a level, it's a loss for the private equity company that backed Ceridian going going in, as as I understand it, and uh, that's troubling. That's troubling. I don't know what it means for the long term value of the company, but 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 the fact that the venture, the public private equity people who paid for the company ten or fifteen years ago aren't making a return on their investment is um, going to be a difficult thing to overcome for Ceridian as it moves forward. 
Now, now, could they make a return on the investment? I guess um, as it goes public, as it goes public, if they have some shares and those shares go up, is it would that be what they're banking oh, yeah, on? Or yeah, is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas Lee Partners still owns fifty-one percent of the company, yeah. so they have control of the company, uh, uh, and and they have to be banking on some incredible run-up in the stock price. Yeah. Uh, and and so that's that's the bet. But what happens is they at least get the ability to turn their original investment into cash. That's what that's what going public gives them. Um uh, and and everybody who invests in Ceridian today um is betting that Ceridian is going to be another high flying software company and that its stock price will be five times what it is today or ten times what it is today in, in relatively short order, three, four, five years. Yeah. And and they are one of the only applications that have really invested heavily in workforce management, which is a market that, that's going to be sort of moving in the next couple of years besides Kronos. But it, I guess it'll, we'll wait to see if that's enough to, to increase the, the numbers uh, rapidly. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to well, watch. Well, yeah, you, you, you certainly wouldn't want to bet against the team at Ceridian. The, the, the news is generally reporting that their growth has been sluggish. Uh, but, but David Ossip, who isn't generally mentioned in the press about the IPO, uh, uh, has assembled an astonishing technical team. This is, this, is, this is muscular technology that does what it's supposed to do without without um, uh, much distraction and and it's an extraordinary technical tool and so so if they can figure out how to make that the center of the story then it, then it has the potential to be Microsofty in its growth uh, um, and so this is this this then is a starting point rather than an end point to their story yeah. Yeah. Well, and and so so we'll be keeping an eye on it, but I think everyone's going to be watching what's happening in the space around workforce management and payroll in the next two years. Um, so uh, it's a good place to be, no matter how you look at it. Um, on the other hand, the, the talent management space may not be quite as good, at least in a standalone area, right? Um, you know, the other story today that I think is, is probably just about as big is the acquisition of PeopleFluent. Now, PeopleFluent um, was previously made up of multiple different sort of standalone talent management applications, um, including uh, for uh, those who might know the, in the old days, PeopleClick and Authority. Authority was really, really good on the performance management side. I think PeopleClick was um, much better on, I think, the talent acquisition side and other areas. Uh, they also had a really strong compensation application uh, within their talent management platform, but very much was a, a merger of multiple different applications into what is now people fluent, um, they were just bought, or at least uh, there was uh, the announcement made that they are being bought by Learning Technologies Group, which is out of the UK. Um, and they're the, also the same organization that bought Leo Learning, GOMO, for those who knew that, and Euclea, but also, more importantly, probably Rusticia Software, which is the SCORM-based um, organization that did a lot of the consulting and uh, helping organizations figure out how to deal with SCORM-based 
um, applications, as well as recently purchased Net Dimensions, which is the uh, learning management system, which had a slight talent management application with it. What was interesting on this one for me is I actually sat and watched their uh, chief executive officer, Jonathan Satchel, who made the rounds on some of the news um, uh, stories around his perspective on why he was getting into people fluent. One was obviously to strengthen their North America market. The other one I thought, which was really interesting, is he's looking at the technology that PeopleFluent has that sort of sits on top of all of the applications that does a single sign-on model, um, which we've talked about in the past. Um, that was one of the things PeopleFluent had sort of built was this sort of tool that sat on top of everything so they didn't have to do um, deep integrations all the time. Um, and he's looking at that as a way that he can connect all of his applications, and he's very interested in getting into the talent management space. Um, it sounds like particularly for uh, the U.K. market as well as North America. I, I mean, you knew probably, I would assume, the people fluent group as well, John. Are not surprised that this is happening, but what are your thoughts about a e-learning company purchasing them? Well, I think I think that what we're seeing in general is that the there is a merger of the learning and development operations and the human capital management operations. The fact that they have been at war with each other for thirty years is particularly stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know that. The idea that people in training don't talk to people in HR yeah. um, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But but HR HR has this problem of having a great big bag of cats and dogs. So so it has been hard to think about what's the relationship between say recruiting and training. Yeah. But as employment branding has matured, it it starts to get obvious that that if you don't treat recruiting as if it was the initial training process, you lose a whole lot of opportunity in the development of your employees. And so, so he's on the trend. He's ahead of the trend, probably. The, the, the best performance management system that I'm aware of is built by a learning and development company. That's Bridge from Instructure. Uh, and so we're starting to see this. this the, the thing that I went to, God, was it last week only? Maybe the week before last in San Diego, the ASU-GSB conference, is exactly the movement of uh, the education technology market into human capital management. And so we'll see yeah. that coming um, as, as things progress. And it's largely driven by the fact that uh, traditional... You know, I was talking with a guy last night who, who worked at Westinghouse for the same 15 years that I did. And at Westinghouse in the early 80s, the trading department had a three-inch thick binder of courses that you could take. And the development process was to put you through a bunch of those courses. And they were very good. Um, that doesn't really happen very much anymore. What's more likely to happen is an ongoing flow of little three-minute bits of stuff from some specific source or far more likely from YouTube. Yeah. And so so what training and development is in the YouTube era is a big question, and one of the ways to answer the question is to integrate it with all the rest of the human resources functionality. 
So that sounds like what they're doing there. Yeah, and and the training and development industry is a huge industry from a financial perspective. The numbers that usually go into training and development because of the compliance requirements are oftentimes much bigger than what we saw in the talent management space. And so they actually usually have quite a bit of money um, they just oftentimes don't have the what we call the level of respect inside organizations. So it was interesting about the interview on this one was that he was specifically talking about the fact that he would be working with and speaking with another side of the house, right? Just as you were commenting that there are two different groups that buy these. Um, and I think in some cases, a lot of times you see the learning and development function flexing its muscles here to try and sort of get the bigger picture. Um, but they generally are starting with the conversation about, you know, we're part of the business unit. Now let's talk about how we help HR get there, right? And so it, it, this will be interesting to see. I mean, this is definitely um, the story that I started to follow when I first got out of learning and went into organizational effectiveness back 10 years ago or so. Um, so it's been around for a while. I wouldn't say it's new. But what's happening, I think, now is you're seeing a lot of these e-learning or learning technology companies who had cash or who were doing okay now are trying to figure out how they fit into this picture. Um, another organization that I saw last week, Training Orchestra, an organization you wouldn't think has much you know, value in the world where we're not doing instructor-led training as much. Actually, you know, instructor-led training is a big part of what the millennials are looking for because they're looking for it as a networking opportunity, um, as well as the e-learning isn't where they want to learn from. They want to capture the information, as you said, from these sort of three-minute YouTube-type um, exercises. So I think there will be a resurgence in some sense of what's happening in the sort of networking, connection, uh, learning, as well as, um, you know, performance-based learning. So we'll see. Um, It'll be a busy time for these areas. There's no real transition into the next <laughs> conversation, but it's from you know learning and development and talent management. You know, the other area that I've spent a lot of time on recently is the HR help desk case management area. And ServiceNow has been doing a lot of, um, I'd say, making inroads in the HR technology space. Um, this is an area where everyone probably should be paying attention and watching if they're HR technology market. Um, they did their first quarter announcements, and basically they're saying their subscriptions uh, revenues are now at $543 million. Uh, it's a 40% year-over-year growth, which is, is pretty impressive um, in this market. But more importantly, what I thought was interesting is they also announced that they were acquiring VendorHawk. Now, VendorHawk is a software and that actually manages all the cash transactions expected um, within the SaaS software space. So basically, it, it looks at all of your SaaS applications and manages all of those contracts and all of the information that goes across them. This is really interesting to see, you know, if... ServiceNow is making the case that they should be the center of your world and starting that with the fact that they're going to manage all of your staff applications as well as your employee profile, which they've been making the case for in the HR space. But they're starting out as a case management software, as an HR help desk tool. Um, we're hearing more and more about this. Uh, John, did you hear about this a little bit when you were talking to Workday or some of the other organizations where they're competing now? Um, not so much. This was this wasn't on Workday's radar, but this this idea. So, so ServiceNow is an implementation company, isn't that right? What, um, what yeah. what's the basic business of ServiceNow? 
Well, they no, they're 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 a, a, a case management um, and a software management. So they do your um, they capture all the information for your IT technology and do IT help desk solutions and case management for HR help desk as well as part of that. Um, they're an application that's focused on case management. So they're not. I mean, they they do implementations, but they also have implementation partners. So. Got it. Okay. Okay. I I I thought they were strictly an implementation business. Nope. So so yeah, this, this model, you, you know, the fact that the fact that all of HR isn't isn't centered on case management always bewilders me, uh, because because if you wanted to make the analytics of HR make sense, you would be counting all of the transactions that HR does, and when you have a case management system. Every transaction is a case, and so and so you have data and stats about all of the various kinds of things that you do. So so I've I've been surprised for years that that the center of HR technology isn't case management. Um, so so it's interesting to see them do that. I was sitting in this meeting yesterday with twenty five uh, Fortune five hundred talent acquisition managers, and every one of them now has somebody working for them doing vendor management. Yeah. Um, right? This is this is the recruiting function. And the recruiting function has gotten so complex that it's got a new name, talent acquisition. And um, and the number of vendors involved in doing recruiting has exploded to the point that there are staff people who do nothing but manage the administrative parts of those relationships. So, so they're timely. They're timely if, if, um, if what we're seeing in the early days of AI, which is an explosion in the number of vendors, is what AI looks like going forward, then a tool that does vendor management kinds of Details for SaaS contacts. That's a powerful thing. That's yeah, a very, very powerful it. thing. Yeah, and it talks about optimizing it because isn't that the big issue? How many different app cloud applications are being used in your organization and overlap each other in their services and their offerings, and you weren't even aware of it? These are things that I think I have conversations with many organizations time and again. They're struggling to get their arms around this. Um, and then you add to that the need to track all the cases that are happening of help desk questions, and also track sort of your information directory information, right, which is another tool that service that uh, ServiceNow offices and their tool set. It makes for a strong case as to why they might sit at the center of everything, right? Yep. Yep, that's exactly right. And and this next story about ASON connecting with PeopleDoc is kind of the same story. Right? PeopleDoc yeah. is fundamentally a case management tool, um, although it is a case management tool, as, as I recall, that is focused on having kind of paper-level documentation associated with things. So the, the, the doc in PeopleDoc has to do with documents. Yep. Um, and uh, again... It seems to me that that, uh, that case management is the smart way to run all of HR, uh, and and so this sounds interesting to me. 
Yeah, and, and Aeson, I think the interesting thing here is they're wrapping PeopleDoc around their, because they are an implementation company. This is Aeson's the implementation company, which might have been where you were thinking when we originally were talking about it. Um, they're an implementer for SAP success factors, but they're creating a service that basically wraps PeopleDoc around their system. Um, and what what that means is their perspective is that, you know, SAP Success Factors needs this to meet their customers and clients' needs, right? Um, and they, PeopleDoc not only has sort of the case management and the and the help tools, those type of things, but it's very much invested time and energy in um, sort of their portal phone um, sort of module that allows people to access all the different areas of HR through their sort of interface. Uh, to me, you know, this is you know the big conversation. Where do I have my primary interface for my HR technology? Is it with my core HRMS? Is it with my sort of help desk technology? Um, or will there be something else going to come out that's, that's going to be the primary interface? Or will there be no interface? You've talked a lot about the fact that there won't be interfaces. It'll be much more voice and artificial intelligence, and we'll be grabbing information where we don't have to think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's coming. That's covered. We're not going to spend our time living in software much longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe as kind of a wrap-up today, we also had Lou Mess introducing its new marketplace for smarter talent acquisition. Uh, now, we haven't heard of Lou Mess for quite some time. They've uh, sort of been in the news and then out of the news. They they, they had tried to do, I think, a Salesforce.com or a um, Dreamforce um, application. I'm not sure if that's part of this conversation here, but they're creating a partner marketplace for their talent acquisition um, tool. Uh, their CEO, uh, Peter uh, Weiderman, who I haven't had the opportunity to speak with, um, thought that this is something that's going to demonstrate you know, their constant commitment to recruitment-centric innovation. Uh, marketplaces aren't new. Is, is this just sort of um, Lumes doing a, a, a Me Too, Catch Me Up type of thing? Yep. <laughs> yep, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. And yeah. you you know the, the the more advanced forms of marketplaces are think of themselves as ecosystems, and um, and the the story inside of the ones that work has to do with the you know like uh, both both Ceridian and Ultimate software have a very interesting approach to uh, running one of these things, where the people who run the ecosystem or the marketplace uh, have contractual capability, so they can write the partnership documents, and they have control over the API, so that so that when they say we're going to do an integration, they actually mean what they say and control that process and. And that's not how most people do it. I'd be, I'd be just flabbergasted if the approach at Lumes was to turn over control of the technology to the ecosystem people. Um, but that's how that's how the sort of best uh, examples actually work. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure we'll get some uh, examples of these, or we'll get to hear more about these uh, in the fall when we do some of our updates with uh, organizations like Lumes. But um, they're still in the they're still in the space. They're still making some news. I think that's just as important in some cases, knowing that that they're investing in updates. Um, 
But uh, we'll have a lot more updates in the coming weeks. So next week, I'll be at SAP Success Factors Analyst event. I'll also be doing a, a visit with Workday. And uh, you'll be doing a couple of events next week as well, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about next week. I'm going to be giving a talk at the O'Reilly AI Conference in New York City on Wednesday of next week. And um, um, it, may, it may be the talk that I'm most excited about in decades. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun to be talking to people who know more than I do about AI, uh, um, about what's going on in our sector. That's the talk, and the, the you know I think that we have uh, some unique problems in HR that that don't correspond to the kind of AI that allows you to buy stock or or know where to drive the car or beat go, but have to do with the way that things actually operate in human organizations, and so that's the. That's the talk, and then I'm going to WCN's investor conference in Asbury Park, which is a a sentimental place for me. So, so it'll be a busy week. Definitely. Well, well, we should have a. Well, we make sure we leave enough time for you to have a good conversation about what you're learning from that from the uh, event, because that sounds fascinating. And uh, we'll have more updates next week. And and I think we're sort of out of time already this week. So. All right. Thanks, Stacey. It's been a great show, as usual. I really appreciate the time you take to do this every week. And thanks, everybody who's listening for listening. Um, We love doing this, and it's nice to have you aboard. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye. (laughs) 